welcome back once again to the Sustainable Steepover Club, which is a podcast run by six young people. Anna, though she's not here today, Eve, Gabby, Carol, Ayushi and myself, Amy, along with incredible support from the YMCA. We interview amazing guests and talk about the sustainable development goals in a way that is accessible like a sleepover chat. Our goal today is peace, justice and strong institutions. Though this episode linked to so many of the sustainable development goals. We discussed our understanding of peace and how it has changed. That terrorism isn't as easy to define as we would have thought. The power we hold as individuals while rethinking current power structures. And above all, the importance of being an active citizen and young people's voices. We hope that anyone listening feels empowered and encouraged to become involved. Maybe share this episode with another young person, your friend. Nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. 20 people per minute. And extreme weather events are devastating most affected people in areas, along with, increasingly, the global north. On top of that, we are not free but confined to our socially conditioned beings, whether we are racialized as white or black or discriminated against for our non-binary gender. Until everyone lives their life with every basic human right, our world is not at peace and we do not have justice. Lean into your anger to take action and reclaim your own power. Today, our wonderful guest is Mark, who is a college student studying data science and analytics, volunteer with YMCA Ireland and a member of YMCA Ireland's Global Justice and International Development Committee. He has also been involved with Corlan Nogue, where he was a member of the advisory board for the NCCA, the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment, who are reforming the sex, sexual education curriculum. Mark has recently been involved with YMCA Europe's Roots for Peace project, whose aim is to promote and encourage peace and anti-hate projects to young people around Europe. He travelled to Budapest, Hungary, where he was part of the planning team who organised workshops on the theme of using narratives to counter hate speech for over 30 young people from around Europe. Hi Mark, how are you doing today? Hi Amy, I'm good. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about some of the work I'm doing and to chat to you guys. Great. Um, We're like so delighted to have you on. I was saying earlier, um, you've been such a help to getting the podcast up and running and to like the six of us. So it's amazing we get to have you on now. Um, So the first question is, yeah, we've learned so much from your workshops and the activities you've conducted with us, but also the insight into the projects, the YMCA, um, like that you've done with them that came before us, like including an actual podcast, which we're now doing um, and like your involvement. So how did you get involved or become an active citizen? Uh, so my story begins back in 2016, which for me seems like a, a long time ago. Uh, I actually started with my school. Um, I was involved with the student council only for a couple of months and I was given the opportunity to go to the Corlinogue AGM. And it was a really cool experience. I didn't really expect much out of it, but at the end of the day-long AGM, I had to sign up. Um, and that's how I got involved with, with Corla. Just signed up on the day. I, I worked with uh, some amazing people on Corla for, for two years, uh, until I was 18. And it, it happens that in Cork, uh, Corla and Noga's run with the YMCA. Uh, so that's how I got to know the, the guys in the YMCA. Um, 
And it was kind of a, a gradual progression from, from Corla uh, to YMCA and doing some YMCA Ireland projects. Um, so it was more of a, a, a step-by-step to get involved with YMCA. Uh, so I've been working with the YMCA since I was 18, 2018. Um, and that's kind of how I'm here today. I, I started off with projects like your podcast. I've done podcasts, uh, run events, been involved in some video making competitions and projects. Now I do uh, a bit more kind of facilitation, running workshops with young people. Uh, I love that. I love working with young people. Um, although I study like science and computers and maths in college, uh, I am really passionate about working with young people. Um, so that's obviously how, how I got involved with you guys. Um, and I, of course, recently uh, I've been working with YMCA Europe uh, on a project and hopefully in the future, I get to work on, on more YMCA Ireland and more YMCA Europe uh, projects as well. Uh, so I guess that's like kind of a, a quick stop tour as to how, how I am here. My, my couple of years involved being, being an active citizen with Corla, uh, YMCA Ireland, YMCA Europe, and um, we'll, we'll see we'll see where, where I end up in the future. Amazing. And so we've mentioned YMCA a lot, and we have mentioned it a lot in the podcast before as well. So can you actually tell us what is the YMCA um, and kind of, why you volunteer with them, why they're important? A uh, good question. <laughs> uh, it's actually a question I ask myself lots because my definition of why I'm is probably different to yours and probably different to everyone else involved in the organization. Um, and my definition is always changing. So the definition I give you now might be different to uh, the definition I might have given you a year ago or in two or three years' time. But for me, the YMCA is a place young people to express themselves. So obviously in school, you're, you're very much on a strict schedule. You're, you're told what to do and where to go. But in the YMCA, they give you the freedom to express yourselves, work on projects that might not get a chance to do with other aspects of life, uh, whether that be digital creativity and my filmmaking and photography, which is why I started to get involved in. Um, it's just a place where young people can, as I said, express themselves and do the things they love that they might not get a chance to do elsewhere. Um, it's also a place where people can advocate for the things they love. Um, for as long as I've been involved, I, I, I said, I, as you said, when you were introducing me, I was uh, involved with the NCCA a while back, advocating for, for better sexual education in schools. So that's a, another side of, of the YSA that um, is interesting. The, the advocacy side of it as well, um, which also attracted me to it. Really good. Um, yeah, I think like the idea that the YMCA is kind of in one way, whatever young people need it to be. And I think that's really cool. Um, and also the Roots Project sounds really, really interesting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So so Roots for Peace is a project that I actually only learned about maybe about six months ago and just being involved with, with YMCA Ireland. And it's actually a YMCA Europe initiative that was founded in 2007. And its aim is to promote peace uh, and promote more anti-hate movements. Um, so there are movements called No Hate Speech. Uh, there's actually an organization called the No Hate Movement, which was founded around the same time as the, as the Roots of Peace project. Um, and it's very much growing in countries where there is violence. Uh, for example, like Ar- Ireland was involved in um, Roots of Peace projects a, a while ago, and currently in Romania and Georgia, it's, it's, it's very big over there. But but what it is, as I said, it's promoting peace and anti-hate movements. And the way it does that, and the way I was involved, is it does it through educating young people. So inspiring other young people to create their own projects, 
uh, recently when I was in in Budapest, like our job was to run workshops that would educate other young people so they could back to their own countries and run their own workshops. Because at the end of the day, it's about spreading the message, spreading the word, getting adult young people involved. Because like again, back to your even your previous question about what the YMCA does, it gets young people involved, it connects them together. Um, and, and YMCA Ireland and YMCA Europe do that excellently. Uh, and Rooster Peace is just one of the, the, of the aspects uh, of connecting people together to work on this anti-hate movement. Wow, that's that's amazing. And um, kind of similar enough, but before um, we record an episode with Andy Hamilton, who is studying for a PhD in peace, um, around kind of the peace and justice, sustainable development goals mainly. And like, before that, we had a workshop with Mark and like you really helped us kind of like chat about the nature of violence and like what different words we hear in the news around conflict like actually mean. And yeah, I think sometimes like having those conversations that kind of need something to get them going. Um, and I think I was wondering maybe if you could um, just talk to us a little bit about what you covered in that workshop with us um, and also about the using narratives to counter hate speech workshops. Yeah, so just before I get into that, just to, you mentioned Andy, uh, a friend of mine, um, and one of the, the aspects that uh, Roots of Peace does is started this um Roots of Peace Institute, which was again bringing young people in to again run set workshop over and over. I think it was it's a two-year period. And again, they'll go back to their countries and again spread the word, spread the message again. So uh, Andy again is also involved in, in the Roots of Peace uh, project as well. Um but your question about uh, our workshop on terrorism, uh, it seems like a number of months ago now. Um and I was hoping because I knew we had the, the the interview with Andy coming up, and I was hoping that I would be able to give you um at the end of the workshop a, a, a one-line definition of the word terrorism and uh, obviously it's all around us it happens in the world every day it, it ties in very nice with violence and anti-hate movements um but we did a number of activities just to put a definition on the word terrorism because the word terrorism means something different to each person depending on where you're from uh, your background your family your friends and just the people you surround yourself with so that was the aim of that workshop. Um, and in terms of no hate speech workshops, um, my first time really working on them was actually over in Budapest. Um, and I was actually, I, I was part of the client team. So although I wasn't there as a participant, um, I'd never been to, to a, 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 a no hate workshop or using character narratives to uh, counter hate speech um, before. I'd never been a participant, but being part of the client team was a really... It was an interesting and eye-opening experience. And maybe a bit later, I'll go into a bit more detail as to how it affected me. Um, but running workshops on, on no hate, it's, it's eye-opening. Uh, and during the week over in Budapest, we started very much with getting young people, getting together, working in groups, then talking about kind of narratives, whether that be... Well, in fact, actually, I love talking about this activity because the activity we ran over there was actually groups forming a newspaper article based on a single picture. So it's about narrative, which is a story, but it's however you phrase a story. So if I give you a picture and I give myself a picture, the story we come up with will be completely different. So that's about all about making narratives. And a story is so powerful that when we're using it to do something like, something like anti-hate movements and no hate and promoting peace, uh, like a story spreads fast. Uh, everyone, as always, uh, for centuries and centuries, stories have been told, 
and using narratives to spread the message on on no hate is like more important than ever and that's what we focus on mostly over a five-day workshop in, in Budapest. Wow and actually one of my later questions is like if you had to kind of pass on one thing that like you've learned over all your time um just in all of this work like what would it be so maybe if like I'll give you that question now um since you want to talk a little bit more about it yeah uh really good question and again this is one of those questions where I would definitely change my answer probably every day (laughs) but um right now after coming back from and being inspired from my work especially over over in Budapest I would say the most powerful say lesson I've learned or the thing I pass on is connecting with people now that's not necessarily a skill for for everyone you might not consider a skill but I definitely consider it a very very valuable skill being able to work with people from around the world work with your neighbor work with people who you see every day but people you see maybe once a year the ability to connect with people and work on meaningful projects like for me and all the work i've done i've met amazing people i still i got friends with amazing people today i work with amazing people and that ability to kind of connect that that's something i i, I would pass on to any, anyone i meet that being a part of something and being able to connect with people that's for me the most important really nice message um and also um like i think young people are often told that their like voices don't matter their opinions don't matter yet like when they're an adult and you can vote like worry about it then um so another workshop we did was a lot about power and this was honestly like the very beginning of kind of the group and the podcast and everything but you asked us as a group like when we were again only beginning like what is power and how do you hold it already like before you don't have to come like a politician or anything um and I definitely learned so much from that conversation about like breaking down current power structures but also like reclaiming our own power I thought it was really empowering um so I'd love to ask you like what is power in your mind um and can you give us some examples of ways like young people already hold power yeah again like a really interesting question and just before i get to that i want to address the first thing you said there about young people sometimes not having a voice i i want to kind of promote a message uh, that i learned from budapest is actually the title of our of, of our, our, our week-long study session it was be a voice not an echo and i really want to just promote that message because it's so important that everyone finds their voice because if you in the background and you never step forward and claim your place in the world um, that's where you make real change. So getting on to the question about power, <laughs> what power means to me, um, good one. Power to me means, um, again, back to my message, having a voice, uh, whether it's you're talking to politicians or even talking to your maybe teachers in school or talking to I don't know, a manager in the workplace or even like being able to stand up to your friends if you don't agree with them. Like that for me is real power on a small scale and also on a big scale, whether it's your, your, your friend you're next to you in school or whether you are addressing like, world or nation leaders. Um, and then to your, to, to your second part and how like young people already have power. I mean, today, I, I'm going to bring this up because it's rising. Today, today you were on the radio. That's power. That's power <laughs> in me. Like, the, the first, that's the first thing I told you when I was asking that question. Young people, whether we're interviewed or whether you give the opportunity, and we're lucky in, in, in Ireland the last couple of years, young people haven't given the opportunity to meet with, with, with 
like Taoiseachs and ministers, because they're people who are able to make a change, not only in Ireland, but also on the, on the world scale. Uh, you know, like our teacher, Camille Martin, uh, chaired a session to security councils this week. He's out there meeting with world leaders. In turn, we get to meet with them. And that's the, that's how we be able to use our, use our power to our advantage, to influence them, to therefore influence world leaders on, on the international stage. Yeah, and like something, um, I heard this like kind of concept like through another activist, um, Joe Becker, and it was just this idea that like kind of power is always seen as this really bad thing, and it often is, but that's power over something, whereas we can actually have power with, with each other, like, and our own empowerment and I think um like there will always be power but it's kind of like reframing the way that we see it is so important and I think your message was amazing and definitely I hope all like young people like really listen and believe in their voice um so also relating back to the podcast sustainable development goals and all of this is interlinked um but why are the SDGs the sustainable development goals important to you uh, again, it's really a really good question. Um, I worked with the Sustainable Development Goals indirectly for a long time, uh, even back since I, I started with Corla. Um, and in, say, one sentence, for me, they mean change. Um, like, even if you just take one, uh, climate action, just, just one Sustainable Development Goal. Um, like, we live in a world where, at the moment, things change really quickly. And sometimes they change not in a good way they, they might have negative impacts in the world and again we only have one world so for me just the same development goals they come back to how we make change whether it's a good good a good version of change or bad version of change but all 17 of them they're important in their own way and it's important to us as like young people and next generation and, and you guys as, as the next generation to like really take, take, take a hold of those because Unfortunately, the, the, a lot of world leaders who hold, again, all this power, we can back to, they're holding power in, in a negative sense. A lot of the, um, for example, the carbon dioxide that's been released into the, into the environment is, is done by a small portion of people and because they hold all that power. Uh, so it's interesting that you, you can actually link power back to sustainable development goals. It's time for next generation coming up to, to take back that power and really push to, to working hard on, on all the sustainable development goals. But to me, in one word, did they mean change? Whether that be a positive way or a negative way, that's up to the individual and up to us. Yeah, um, I think that's like, just generally with sustainable development goals, like most of the time on the podcast, we're not talking about one particular goal because all of these issues are so interlinked and they're interlinked through exactly. the sustainable development goals. Um, and also what you're saying about like um, power, like today, again, I was at a strike and like that power and like people coming together in that community, like that was more power than you'll see like a world leader speaking on a stage on their yeah. own personally, like for me anyway. Um, and just a little bit about like your course. So you're studying data science and analytics. Um, I really don't know what that means. So I'd love to find out. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, these are questions I get asked all the time. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes I don't have answers to them, but the way I describe it is it's, it's maths and computers. Um, and in terms of computer's part, it, it's programming, so writing uh, code and programming languages, design things like softwares. And on the math side, it's a lot of statistics, which actually what drew me towards the course. Um, 
me, I, I'm quite a factual person. I would like uh, I like to come to conversations with the facts. I don't like making up things. I, I always do my research. I uh, always have for as long as I remember since I was a child. Um, always knowing what's going on, especially in the world. Uh, and that's what drew me to my course, uh, statistics. Um, and interesting, like during during COVID, obviously COVID was here with us over 18 months now. And I remember when it, when it first came out in March 2020, it was statistics that actually got me back into watching the news and back into uh, having conversations about COVID with people. And it wasn't about, oh, this many deaths and this many cases. It was about how this, what the statistics actually mean. And that's, again, it reinforced my, my knowledge of what, why I do what I do, because I love statistics and I love being able to educate people correctly on things that are going on and having the right facts and figures. Um, but again, like just to quickly answer your question, it's well, actually, it is it's a mixture of computers and, and maths. Wow, <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, so, like, honestly, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so glad we finally got to have you on the podcast. Um, but for your final kind of word, um, do you have any last message you'd like to share with us? Um, I love being asked this question because. I, I always like to have a message. Um, uh, coming on to this podcast, I wanted to uh, kind of reinforce myself and also to you guys that in the past number of weeks, like my outlook on, on youth work and global development and international work, even the work that you're doing with this podcast, like it, it's already changed um, because COVID kind of shocked me a bit uh, in terms of my, the work I do. I, I wasn't really motivated, but coming back and getting bringing it back to, to my trip to Budapest, seeing young people work together and be able to make real change, it, it's, it's inspiring. Uh, I was inspired. Uh, I was in a, in a way given a push to get continue the work that I do uh, because I love it. But the message I would like leave with, with you guys and with the listeners and everyone is that everyone can make change. Everyone can can be a leader. You can even if you want to be a follower, follow the the right leaders. Um, and again, I like to reinforce my, my um, statement earlier of, of being a voice, not an echo. Uh, make those connections with people, uh, because people are the strongest. Which is, it's the strongest thing you'll ever have. Making those connections and working on meaningful projects, and like even you guys like working on a podcast like this, like it, it, it's, it's inspirational to be able to see see young people do things like this. Uh, and he most certainly, most certainly our voice, not an echo. That's kind of what, what I leave you with. That is probably our best last message. So like we've had yet. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me. I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, I hope that uh, you've heard the best. and welcome back so we're going to start with a very sleepovery question and this is a suggestion from mark um so we're going to go with astrology and all that and i don't know anything but what's your zodiac sign <laughs> i love the way you said astrology and all that amy just the, the astrology just like that, that area <laughs> um, i really don't okay you see i've said this before I'm going to say it again. I tell people this and they all kind of give me a look, but I'm a Scorpio. Do you know what that means? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think to make things like doubly, my moon sign or like a rising or something is also a Scorpio. Um, So yeah, that's me. Eve, why don't you go next? 
Let's all hear Can what your star sign is. Let's chat and read all my signs. Um, apparently, I was a Leo for the past eight years. My mind, oh. I was a Leo, but apparently, I'm a Virgo. So, yeah, but recently, my friend read my birth chart, and apparently, I have five Virgo planets or something. So, apparently, I'm very, very reactive Virgo. But see, apparently, Virgos aren't emotional. <laughs> yeah, that's not me. So, I'm not sure where that came from, but I'm apparently a Virgo. Ayushi? Well, I'm a Leo. Uh, don't really need to say much more about that. <laughs> Everyone assumes a lot of stuff about that. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about a Leo Ayushi. Oh my god, when I told Anna I was a Leo, she goes, Oh, <laughs> of course you are. I just said, Of course you are. I was like, What does that mean to me? I'm a Leo after all. But. <laughs> Carol? Um, I mean, I'm a Capricorn, but according to my Snapchat uh, <laughs> star charge, I'm a sun in Capricorn, a moon in Gemini, and a rising in Libra. Wow. Nice. 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 <laughs> Radical. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. However, so I just know Groovy, I'm Capricorn. Dude. Gravy. We're absolutely offending people who are really into astrology. <laughs> I'm going to take this moment to like apologize on behalf of all of us. Well, I would love, I because no, because I'm telling you, my friend read my birth chart and everything was so accurate except like two things. And I was like, maybe there's something to this, but I just can't get into it. I'm like, I don't know. Same. I mean, it's like, all I know is that I'm a Gemini and that's because you told me. So yeah, you could be wrong, <laughs> and apparently you know nothing. So <laughs> and yeah, and but Buzzfeed has tried to guess many, many times, but that was also with you. So I don't know. I do not know. <laughs> you see, the question I have about this is that: Are they accurate, or do people hear these things and then shape their personalities around them? Mm. You know, I think that's that. my question. I do think that. Have you ever seen those like videos? Like how I want to perceive it's like a bunch of pictures pictures like really like aesthetic pictures like mm. this is how I want people to think I, who, how I am I'm like no one thinks about you that much like, you're shaping your personality to fit into this box like that's on you but that's your problem not mine but no my birth chart was very accurate I'm gonna say that right now I'm gonna like give a little tidbit to the fans of astrology and say that when my birth chart was read it was extremely accurate disconcertingly accurate so. Okay. Outside of astrology, message <laughs> and with astrology, be you. That is the message. <laughs> be you. Be, you. be proud. Okay. And don't be, be a Capricorn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, what did you learn from everything Mark said? And there was loads or workshops we've done with him in the past. What I really liked about this conversation, what I thought was really interesting, and what I liked about the conversation that we had previously with Andy as well, is that like it kind of, I suppose made me like question like my definitions of things so like this I'm really kind of going oh like what's my definition of power and what do I think about power and I remember the conversation with Andy had me really kind of you know going oh that's really interesting because like I hadn't thought about peace in different ways and Mm. like the different definitions of peace so I thought that was really cool yeah definitely I agree like I remember the peace one in particular like um it was you were saying like most of the thing peace is just like not fighting but peace is like like everything from like social stat like social economy to like everything you know what I mean it's like it's not just like not fighting it's like being comfortable in like the world you're living in I guess and like today as well like even Amy's comment about power I'm like 
all the, the definitions that were came out today. And even Mark said, like, it's hard to define things. The definitions are changing like every day and they're like unique to each person. And I think that's so interesting that like we all do see the same thing, but perceive it differently. And um, it's important that we do that. It's important we connect each other and like share those definitions because that's how we kind of like grow together. That sounds so cheesy. Oh my God. But I think as well, like, sorry, with like power, I think like as a young person, because you can't vote, you're told that that's your way, that is your power. But like, and that's a really important part and like should be used, but like, voting isn't the only way that you power like you power around like you know conversations you have with just your family and the people around you and you've you know just like power in as I said like earlier like community and coming together for like action or like in your voice and like your opinions and finding out kind of like what your place is and things like that um and also like there's power in sometimes not not talking and actually just listening um and I think sometimes like like something Mark said that I thought at the end was really interesting was that he said like be a leader but also it's like really good to be a follower as well Mm. and I think we all have different roles and movements like especially with privilege where sometimes you're a leader and sometimes your role is to be a follower um and I think that that is powerful too that doesn't mean that you're stepping back um I think it's actually more powerful to go back a few minutes when you're talking about peace it kind of reminded me of a particular case study that literally popped up on the BBC earlier on when I was on the bus and it kind of relates to what Eve was saying about you know peace isn't just not fighting it's um kind of, it's like it's a lot more than that and I was reading about the North or North Korea and Kim Jong-un's sister um announced that they were willing to talk to South Korea about possibly ending a war which is what I kind of found very interesting because obviously when the 48th parallel was made um back in the 50s between North and South Korea they actually never formally ended a war they only made a ceasefire and the fact that 70 years later they're only willing to make peace now is what like I found really interesting because North mm-hmm. Korea actually had previously bombed a building in the north that was going to be used as a diplomatic uh, meeting point between the North and South presidents and then they just got rid of it. So it's like that kind of like really like shows that peace isn't necessarily no fighting. Like clearly there was tensions there and they weren't mm-hmm. actually at peace. They were still technically at war 70 years later and they're only really deciding to actually come to terms with it and possibly end a war now mm-hmm. despite I- there being no fighting in 70 years. And I, I think... Go ahead, Sorry. Debbie. No, Amy. I think as well, like Andy used kind of even closer to home, like Northern Ireland, as a way of kind of describing that idea of peace, that like tension is still peace. Like I think, you know, we all deserve like this basic sense of like just dignity and kind of like just comfort in just being alive and being like like being part of humanity. And I think sometimes that like tensions can seem like peace um and obviously some tensions are way stronger than others um but like it's yeah it's just it's not just not fighting and I think that like you you really like kind of explain that point again um Gabby go ahead I just think it's really interesting I mean even bringing what Mark was saying about like power kind of I suppose the links you can make between peace and power and like freedom you know and I think it's probably something that I learned from the uh interview with Andy you know is that like again peace peace is more than just no visible conflict. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I think especially like, I mean, if an area is at peace, but the people are, you know, under, I can't quite think of the word that you'd say this, but they're kind of under, I suppose, control, if that makes any sense, or they're not like free, you know, they're not empowered, then 
is it really at peace at all? You know, so I think it's really interesting how the conversations kind of link and how you can link all those things together. And I think as well, like stories are so like such a huge part of all of this. And I think Mark like touched on it, but like even with whether it's the news or it's like the stories people have about kind of their own, like what they know and kind of what the other side or whatever um, knows and also kind of in like I love reading but it goes for like movies or tv shows but like um kind of you can learn a lot from non-fiction and reading and I know that I do but also like with fiction there's such a strong connection because you have to like imagine the stories and build the pictures of the stories um and I think there's such a strong connection and like yeah I think like those kind of stories like really stick with you and I think also with education like the stories that we tell are selective like when we learn about certain things that we don't often hear about the stories of people in the global south as more than like a sad picture when really they have really rich stories of like resistance and also just existence um yeah I just thought like the way Mark brought in stories into it was really interesting I think like this kind of like isn't really connected I was but also is my mom brought up a point to me the other day, like I study history for a living cert and like I was, I'm always talking about it, I love history for a subject, but I was talking to my mom about it because she likes history too and she was like, I think it's so interesting that you guys learn about this kind of stuff and not about like the battles that were fought. Like so when they were in school, like when they would learn about history, they would learn about the war and like what battles were fought and where and who led them and like the dates of them. But when I do history, like we don't really do the war. Like we cover, like say we're doing Saturn right now, we're covering like the background, like the revolutions, and like we did Hitler recently, we did like propaganda, education, um, like the build up to war. Like we do why war happened, not the actual battles that were fought. And I think that's such an important like thing in education is like to figure out why certain things come to like, why like, for example, a man like Hitler, who was so often despicable now, was voted into parliament, do you know what I mean? Like why something like the First World War affected a country so badly that like the result was a dictator such as Hitler, you know what I mean? And I think that's a really important too. And like what you were saying about stories, like I'm gonna bring it to the book thief, my favorite book in the entire world, because that book, is about, say, the war, for example, but it's about the untold parts of the war. So it's about a German girl, not a Jew either, just a German girl living in Germany. And it's not about the battles that were fought, it's about propaganda and how that was used to fight a war and how words were used to fight a war and how words can be used to result, like change your life and yet like end it. Like the last line in that book is, I have loved the words and I've hated them and hope that ma- I've hoped I made them right. And like that book for me is like, what's so important about history because it tells the sort of like untold stories, I guess, of peace and war a little bit. Like, and it is a fiction novel, obviously, but it's still based on facts. And like, I think that's so important to always, like, I just said, I've looked to say map of countries and like, don't just think of them as like a certain thing, but listen to people who live there and like stories and the culture and, and, and the information that they have is such an important part of learning. Like not to just like take the base facts that are like presented to you, but like dig deeper and find out reasons and why and um, like the people who actually live those things. And that was very long-winded, but I think the gist of it is just like to listen to like people who like live those experiences rather than like accepting the told facts to you. Yeah, and I agreed with all of that, but like like so much, I think you've put it so well. But also like 
so much of the time for me like this is just personal experience like when I'm reading like you know you see like news headlines and stuff and there's like really really big numbers of like migration or people killed or something and we genuinely become kind of accustomed to crisis and to these like devastation and like horrific realities whereas when I'm listening to someone and I like I'm so lucky now to be able to listen like actively to so many people from MAPA which we've explained in another episode that you can go back and listen to um but it's most effective people in areas by climate change so people who've like been disproportionately um kind of impacted by society and marginalized um and are now being um most devastated and um yeah just like are dying and being displaced by the climate crisis but when I'm listening to those people that I know like I'm getting to know more and more um when I'm listening to them firsthand there's so much more empathy and I learn so much more and I can like really I'm listening to their stories. I'm not listening to the global north telling their stories. And we have map in our countries as in our countries as well, people in marginalized society who are going to be more impacted. Um but yeah, I think that's why like what you were saying, Eve, about listening to those people. And I think sometimes we think we're listening to those people when we're listening to it through like an article that was written with a certain lens or as a number. But every one of us are more than a number and so are they. I think it's so interesting because it's kind of, sorry, Carol, um, I I won't be too long, but I think it's the kind of the effect of like human perspective and the way that we can like emphasize with human perspective, you know, and I think it's really interesting because even Eve brought up like World War II, you know, and I was thinking back to when I was taught about World War II and I remember the figures being something like, you know, I think it was like 6 million Jewish people that were murdered and like obviously six million like in my brain I don't know what age I was at the time I was maybe I was young enough I was maybe 10 or 11 but you know obviously they were like really big and I was like oh my god but then I remember kind of you know being taught and someone saying you know to think about that that would be like the entirety of Ireland wiped off the face of the planet and I think it kind of nearly hit me again more I was like oh my god you know I suppose because that was something I could relate to my own life. But even with that, and I've um, mentioned this book before, but I'm going to mention it again. Uh, It's by Dr. Edith Eager. It's The Choice. And she has this incredible story of, um, you know, she uh, survived Auschwitz. And I remember reading that. I mean, like, oh, my God, like it really, really hit home. I was like, you know, the horror and the absolute inhumanity of what happened to her. Um, and to so many other people Um, but I think sometimes especially because you see so much so many figures and statistics you know even during COVID it can be hard for people to like connect with them Um, whereas I think human perspective um, can like help in terms of people's ability to emphasize perhaps you know and like even another person I suppose I thought of is um, like Malala you know and I remember if I'm I think I'm correct in this but that she did like a sort of a blog sort of anonymously originally I think for the BBC about life as a young girl under um Taliban rule in Afghanistan um which it was 2000 and I'm gonna get this date wrong uh was 2011 maybe I'm not certain (laughs) don't quote me on that you know but I mean the fact that she was this one 
voice. She was this young girl. And, you know, this was her story. And the fact that, you know, they tried to silence her for that. It, it shows how powerful, you know, a voice can be, you know, um, especially when we give room for voices to be heard. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, this kind of, this entire conversation itself has kind of reminded me of a quote and it's kind of, we're well past it now, but it just still, I think it's valid enough. It's like, have you ever, you know the phrase, one death is a tragedy, but a thousand deaths is a statistic. And it's kind of like, you know, Eve and Gabby were like discussing, you know, like six million people or six million Jews dying in World War II. Like you're like, naturally your reaction is like, oh, that's awful. But like, even actually on the bus home as well, when I was scrolling through BBC, I was reading that the UN um, has done its first calculation of the death toll in Syria since 2014. And it said it was 300,000 people. And I myself was like kind of looking at it and it's like, oh, that's awful. And then I just kept scrolling. And I kind of like, I know as bad as it sounds, it kind of, it goes down to perspective. Like it's very easy for like someone like myself included to kind of not understand other people's perspectives and not be willing to kind of use power and my power or ask others to use their power to help other people. Cause like when I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's not affecting me, you know? And I kept scrolling and that's kind of and like, I know it sounds bad, but like it's, it's kind of almost a natural thing to do. And as you said, you're so, we're so accustomed to crises. Like nowadays, like there's a volcano in is a grand Canary. I could be wrong. And then there's like, Syria and now the Taliban have taken back over Afghanistan and it's like bombarding like bombarding me on the news every day you're just seeing how awful things around the world are getting but like we're still able to kind of like look out in Ireland and kind of be grateful for where we are and how it's not affecting us and it's kind of down to perspective that we could use our power to help these people but if you can't use your power to do that you need to get other people to use their powers. Obviously, like at my scale, I wouldn't be able to end a war, but there is, you know, there are people out there that could possibly help with it. So I, sorry, I'm kind of after going off a little tangent, but. No, I I think like we do, we are becoming like, like we can become desensitized to all this news. And I think like I um, was talking to another climate activist, can't remember where she's from, but um, I was just talking to her and like we were talking about how one of like, the biggest threats to like climate change or whatever or just and like to be honest humans in general is apathy or apathy apathy that's the word um but just that's I think it's something we talk about in the podcast a lot but like empathy is such like it's I think like caring is the basic level of like taking any action um and yeah I think that's kind of like yeah I think like that comes back to like for me, COVID was like a massive wake up. And that sounds so cliche because everyone says nowadays, COVID or whatever. But like when I first started hearing the news about like a big virus in China, this sounds disgusting to say to me now, but I was like, oh, well, that's in China, that's not going to come in the year. Do you know what I mean? I was like, there's no way we're going to happen here. And then I started coming to Italy and France and I was like, oh, wait a second. But I was like, oh yeah, two weeks. You know what I mean? And then it, mm-hmm. it's been here for how many months? And at first like that, really really messed with my like I guess perspective because it was like every single thing in my life was out of control at that moment I couldn't predict anything and no one could predict anything and no one could tell anyone anything that was gonna happen there was no real like sense of like plan I guess in place at that time but what it since then it has shifted my perspective in a different way and before COVID I always like I've always like obviously been like advocated for the environment and want to help with climate change and everything um but 
I never truly like was like, oh yeah, like, the government's never gonna act on it because it's unpopular to like make harsh measures, or, like it's unpopular to like stop like fossil fuels or it cost money or blah 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 blah. But like seeing the way that like the government, I know they weren't amazing, but they did act. You know what I mean? They acted on yeah. a, a harsh lockdown that a lot of people didn't like, that wasn't popular, but it was necessary, and they did it. You know what I mean? So that just proved to me that they can do it if they want to. They can impose these harsh measures. Not, I'm not like saying like you know like. like really harsh like like that are like wrong measures but like measures that are actually gonna, like take effect and like help the crisis that we're in because for so long i truly believe that they weren't gonna do it because it's just unpopular like they're not gonna get voted in if they impose these like harsh measures on like i don't know like carbon tax or whatever i don't know but like now they've done stuff like this there's a like a background they have the knowledge the learning curve now they've passed that so like now i think is the time to keep making changes not go back to the way things were like keep make changes keep like this whole like momentum of like going not like i don't know this is actually really off tangent but like i'm not sure it's, not no, it's <laughs> like you yeah, know the best deci- the best decision isn't always the most popular decision yeah you know? exactly. and like as eva's saying like the lockdowns weren't exactly popular by everyone but they they worked and it showed that the government can take action when it's necessary and when when power is needed to be put to use it was like a very good example of it like previous to covid the irish government was quite standoffish in case that their like kind of reputations or like their jobs they were playing politics exactly but then for the the year and a half that we were in and out of lockdown the country was in a state of turmoil because of covid like it showed that the government can take action in that regard so i agree and it wasn't an abuse of power it wasn't an abuse of power at all it was necessary power and that's like the big definition between like say dictatorship or like the irish government you know what i mean you can never call the irish government dictatorship but like what i'm saying is that like they didn't impose measures like for their own gain, it was for the gain of everyone in the whole country and basically the whole world. So, like, the same thing with climate, like, this is something that needs to, like, happen so that, like, we can all be saved, I don't know. But, like, like also... Like, we saw the way that they can react to an emergency and did Mm. react to an emergency actually after the climate emergency was declared an emergency I've said emergency a lot now altogether. but, like, and then COVID came and that was a crisis and they we saw, like obviously again could have been better and all this stuff but they did yeah. react they reacted and like acted essentially um and that they could have done that and they had like they also said they didn't have the money for ages um the only thing about like i will say is like that we need to make sure again that we support people through this change but like we do need to act oh, um, yes. but also like another thing that was interesting about lockdown was like and I didn't think about this at all at the time we were going through it but like since then I was kind of going oh like we've never experienced apart from being on an island and like having to like fly or get a ferry or something we've never experienced borders like actually not being able to go past something and saying because like in like the landmass that is like Europe or whatever like there is still like border checkpoints like you know where a country is in Ireland if you leave you know that you're now in the UK um you know all this kind of stuff but a lot of people those are still free borders that we can move across for a lot of people like they can't move outside of their country and like for a lot of people as well like obviously as you said the the action that the government took was necessary but like in other countries we've never experienced that kind of like government making us do something and having that control over our everyday life even though the law controls like everything did we do but like having that control to suddenly say something like suddenly like in a day or like 
everything went. But like other peer people experience that in a way that's actually violent to them and harms them. Um, and like, again, that existence of borders when actually like nature doesn't have borders. Um, I just thought like, I just think that's like kind of really interesting to kind of reflect on now, maybe a bit random. It's, it's interesting to me actually, because I hadn't really thought of it like that before, but I think, you know, even, I mean, Ireland is within the European Union and, you know, there's free travel within the European Union. So like, you're right, we've never really experienced borders that way. And there's like a passport kind of index thing that gets sent out every year. And you can see where like the Irish passport is on it. And the Irish passport in terms of travel is like a really, really good passport to have. It gets you into pretty much most countries, you know, Um, like so to a certain extent, like borders are always open to you. But like if you go down the list, you know, there's countries where like, you know, people um, can be in danger um, and they might want to leave. But like, you know, countries don't want to take them, you know, um, it can be so difficult to leave. So like, I mean, I think it's interesting because what we experienced during lockdown, like Amy said, nearly our first proper sense of like border borders, people have been living with their entire lives because of where they're from. I think it's like, it's insane the amount of privilege that comes with your nationality. Like Eve, who really loves history, I do politics in secondary school. And one of the key thinkers we did, oh my God, I'm after forgetting his name. But one of the like main things he spoke about is the social lottery and the national or natural lottery. So like the natural lottery is when you're born into kind of like your physical features and you cannot control how like what you look like when you're born, obviously. in the natural or the social lottery, um, it's a concept that some everyone is born into kind of a household that may be rich or poor that could be in Ireland or it could be in South Africa. Like you can't control where you're born and it's about complete luck regardless. And like, so like, I can't explain what I'm trying to say, but the fact that you were talking about this people in different parts of the world that experience borders, unlike what we'll ever experience because we're lucky enough to be in the EU that has the kind of free like travel and open borders is the fact that we should we could have been in those situations and there's kind of like it's all about it's luck that we are where we are today like yeah and I was just gonna ask everyone because we'd finish up soon um like what your no no like what your final messages are and just on Carl's point like I think for me like I think it it's always seen as radical but just to like to imagine that everyone should live with the basics of dignity and humanity um and equity and like just the simple like joys of life and that like nature and borders and all those things and just all these like social constructs that they're not natural like they're not um and that everyone like deserves yeah the basics of humanity like I don't personally think that's radical but I think sometimes it can be seen as it is um when people like overthink it but I think yeah just kind of like recognize the power that you have to take action but also just to imagine those things because nothing happens if like the stories aren't told anyone else I'm I'm gonna come in kind of off Amy and say that like my hope for the future is that we will live in a future where believing that everyone ought to have human rights isn't a radical idea because that's basically what Amy just defined the idea that people should be live in area free from conflict and should have access to healthcare and food and water and safety and be able to be with their families shouldn't be this like radical leftist idea you know it should just be human rights so I sincerely hope 
that is my hope for the future. And I hope that, you know, we as as young people and as a country and God as a world, as a people, as a species can utilize our power to make that happen because it's not an impossibility. It isn't, you know, it's a very, very real possibility if only people want to work to make it happen. Sustainable development yeah. goals. Okay, Eve. <laughs> Um, I think my biggest takeaway is definitely be a bush, not a coat. Because that's what we're going today. I'm loving that quote. It's in my head. No, but like genuinely, like I thought that whole conversation of power was so important. Even just like the small action of it, like reclaiming your own power, like standing up for yourself, saying for your friends, knowing when to walk away, knowing when to turn your cheek. You know what I mean? Like that's power. Like having self dignity and like being able and also like following the right people as well like you don't have to like be like the leader always you can follow like you can support uplift like encourage the right people encourage those people and that's power with too so i love that i love beer voice on nickel um <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> um ayushi final message oh uh, i don't really have anything to say just drink some water i don't know and that should be our like our slogan. The same super for club and a little quote. Drink some water. <laughs> um, I think that as a species, we're all the same. We're in different boats, but we all have the same needs. We all have the same worries. We all have the same kind of wants and likes. So there's no point fighting over stuff that is spilt silly milk. over spilt milk okay <laughs> do you know what we're all we're all the same one way or another and i think we need to not let our kind of beliefs get in the way of love the quotes wow. the emotion so this is the emotion like sorry <laughs> an oscar speech you've just I was given, trying, Carol. Oh, i'm actually bawling like <laughs> who would you like to thank i would like to thank um my mother <laughs> <laughs> for Sorry. paying for my takeaway. Which <laughs> gap? You're eight. I got an Asian street food. Ooh. Yeah, my eight chips earlier. What can I say? Oh my god. Anyways, <laughs> it's a Friday night. <laughs> it's a Friday night. Okay, Gabby, ready to okay. count down? I am ready. Um, okay, guys, loved everyone's final messages. Let's see the countdown. Um, talk to now, Lena Kayla. Ahin, ado, three. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our podcast also you can read the entire transcript of every episode in the link to our google drive which you can find on our instagram once again online youth information chat is live from 4 p.m to 8 p.m monday to friday at ymca-ireland.net question or find YMCA at YI Young Voices. Every second Thursday we will release a new episode but for now, slán!